We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna Himself and he's got the first down. Still going. Tyrod Taylor at the 35. Dancing his way inside the 30. What a run by Tyrod Taylor. Give him 26 yards. Ninth play of the drive. Taylor keeps it himself. Room up the middle. Tyrod Taylor on the move. Gets to the outside. Taylor into the end zone. What a touchdown. Nearly stepped out of bounds at the five. Kept his feet and Buffalo is on the board. Taylor rolling right, throws, caught, Hogan, touchdown, Buffalo! Mariota tosses one up, and it is picked off! Intercepted by Stephon Gilmore! Quarterback's got the biggest heart. Man, it was tough sledding, but man, he's got guts, he's got heart. And uh, one playing great, but at the end of the day, he's the reason we won the game. That was Andrew Catalan from CBS Sports and our buddy Rex Ryan postgame on BuffaloBills.com. And he's right. I mean, he, he threw four quarters of football on Sunday. Tyrod Taylor did not look like he deserved to be the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, but when it mattered, there was nobody else willing to put the team on their shoulders and literally will us to a victory the way he did. It was unbelievable, folks. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger producing, and this is the Rock Pile Report. Coming off a nauseating performance in Tennessee in which I drank a lot. I drank a lot, and I yelled. There's a lot of profanity going on. I, I, I refrain from throwing things. That's a, that, that's a step in the right direction, right? That's, that's, that's progress. At least you did not flip a coffee table. It came, oh, I was close. You have no idea I wanted it. I wanted it so bad, but I, I realized my girlfriend may not be the biggest fan of that idea. I don't think anybody would be. That would just make things awkward. <laughs> awkward or fantastic? In any event, it was just ugly offensive execution. Poorly timed miscues. Just It nearly sank us. The Titans scored their only touchdown off of a Denarius Moore fumble on a punt. You, We cut Thigpen for this jerk off, and he can't hang on to the football. What the hell is that? The Bills committed seven more penalties. A lot of them came on third downs. What is this? Why? Not just on third down. How about on the opening kickoff? On the opening kickoff! You get a penalty, a potentially game-changing play. You could have the ball on the three-yard line, and you're offside on the opening kick. It was on Come On, Man. We are making, like, we're a national laughing stock over this stuff, and it's got to stop. It has to. I don't want to hear about cute wristbands. I don't want to hear about, oh, we're making our players do push-ups. They're not freshmen in college anymore. They don't respond to this stuff. It's ridiculous. That offsides call to start the game just irked me. And I I think that 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 kind of killed our momentum for the entire first half offensively that we didn't get that ball on the three-yard line 
The beauty of that penalty is that I didn't see it. I didn't see it happen because I was getting a beer. I was like, oh, what could go wrong on the opening kickoff? I'll turn around and grab a beer. And luckily I didn't because by the time I got back to my seat, if I had, that coffee table would have been destroyed. I would, I would have been outside in the backyard listening to the game on my phone by myself. That's what would have happened. So where do you begin? I don't even know how to talk about this game because I was so angry about it. I wasn't even happy after we won. There was no good, fuzzy, warm feeling that I could take away from this. I just... It's our second game in a row where we've played so bad offensively. <laughs> our O-line was the tire fire. It's, it was embarrassing. I mean, these are the Tennessee Titans with a rookie quarterback, and we're supposed to be giving them fits. And instead, they're following the same game plan that Tom Brady provided everybody. Get the ball out quick, a lot of plays out of the shotgun. And they, they hammered us in that first. We finished the first quarter with nine yards on offense. Nine yards on offense in a quarter. Atrocious. You can tell me that, oh, it's because Sammy wasn't there and it's because LaShawn was out. I don't give a damn. You need more than nine yards. You got one of them in a quarter of professional football. Nine yards does not equal one first down. They, the offensive line as a whole owes everybody a refund. They owe the team a refund on that first quarter. Whatever, pick, pick a quarter of their game checks. They should give it back to the team because they didn't earn it that quarter, and it's, it was disgusting to watch. I Luckily for us, our defense just got all they, – they, they tried to get all over them, and it came on more in the second half. But that's what kept us in the game. That was it. Our defense was phenomenal. And plus, I think uh, Ken Wisenhunt demonstrated some – Doug Marone-like qualities. They went, uh, they punted on a fourth and two in our end on the 36. They've been giving it to us all day. I don't understand why you don't just line up and take a shot at us at that point. I was, I had my fingers crossed hoping he wouldn't. Because in my head, I'm like, any most coaches would just try to ram it down our throats here. Even because if- they've been getting those two yards every, or... Better yet, run a play-action pass because our defense has been so bad in coverage that we'll probably just foul somebody anyway. Yeah, they had two or three chances, like a fourth down or, you know, I guess in that no-man's land area of do you kick a field goal, do you punt, where they didn't take the chance. And I feel like if they had taken one of those chances, it would have been the end for us in that game. And probably in a lot of people's eyes, the end of our season. I don't. All I know is that our defense, for as good as they, as good as we talk about them being, they played soft in coverage in a lot of the wrong situations, and it, it, it blows my mind. We have upgraded our personnel, or so everyone wants to tell me, and yet we have a worse defense than we had last year. We had a worse defense than we've had in the last three years. Someone explain this to me. I'm losing my faith in Rex and Thurman. It's probably just put it on Thurman. He's the D coordinator. I feel like if next offseason, if this if this carries through the remainder of the season, our first phone call next offseason needs to be to Jim Schwartz. If he doesn't already have a job by then, someone needs to get him back in the building. Because Rex Ryan, I get it. You like the 3-4. That's not who we are. Our team, you can't take what was a great defense and try to put, force it into a mold of what you want to do. You, A good coach plays to his player's strengths. That's just the way it works. Our offensive line, you alluded to it earlier, it was awful for most of the day. Derek Morgan was everywhere. Both of our tackles were just just having fits trying to keep him off of our quarterback. Oh, let me ask you again. Are we going to re-sign Cordy Glenn? He's, he's having a rough go. Man, he, he's having a rough season. Chantrell Henderson looked bad, t- bad on something. I don't get it. When I got to sit there and listen to the CBS co- analysts, the, the commentators during the game, talk about what a, what a premier pass rusher in this league Derek Morgan is. Get the hell away from me. I don't <laughs> what a pre- He's a premier pass rusher. No, we just made him look like one. And they had to come up with some way to comment on it or explain it for the sake of, for the sake of the broadcast. Do you feel that our offensive line play 
might be from a lack of coaching, meaning our coach isn't there. Aaron Cromer. It could be. I'm running your family! <laughs> Aaron Cromer can't get back here fast enough. I, he's got a lot of work to do when he gets here because Sean, let's start with Sean Trell Henderson. This fat bastard needs to step his game up. You're talking about we're trying to climb back into a football game. Our offense already isn't playing well, and you go ahead and on our own end of the field commit two straight penalties that back us up 15 yards. I believe he tackled Derek Morgan. <laughs> on. He just wrapped him up and took him to the ground. It was just, I think it was just straight up the field move, and he just beat him with speed, and then Chantrell just, he just fell on him, tackled him. <laughs> I just I feel like if he's going to continue to struggle, we need to look to try to get some competition in that position because he can't just be allowed to suck on our right side of the line all season. I say dance, you say dance. What did you do? <laughs> Sorry, it's the uh, soundboard app on my tablet. I played an ad. <laughs> It's worth noting that our interior line didn't get any real push until the fourth quarter when Jarrell Casey left the game with a leg injury. Okay. Again, he dominate another guy on the defensive line who isn't some huge name in football. I mean, he's a journeyman. He's played for the Packers. He's played for the Patriots. The Patriots didn't have any use for him. He goes to Tennessee, and now he just dominates Eric Wood for most of the day. It's ridiculous. I mean, we didn't get in there until in the fourth quarter when this guy leaves, but he's not even a premier D tackle. This has to change. It has to change. You can expect what our draft picks will be used on offensive line. It's unbelievable. The Titans, I said it before, they stuck to the playbook Tom Brady gave everybody. A majority of their snaps came out of the shotgun formation. And Mariota, his athleticism, even with a bum ankle, it hurt us. There was a couple times where we had him, you know, third and medium, third and maybe a little long, and he just waited, waited, and then took off and got a first down with his legs. That's what playing, that's what quarterbacks who are consistently playing out of the shotgun, who are even mildly athletic, are going to do to us all year if our defensive coordinator can't come up with a way to counter it. He's going to have to because this is what we're faced with now. The book is out on them. Our lack of skill players, it's, it's, embarrassingly, it's embarrassingly evident. I mean, we just, we got to get healthy. Carlos, I, we need Carlos. If Carlos doesn't play this weekend, I have no hope in a Bills victory. I have almost no hope in the Bills winning this game with Boom Heron and Booby Dixon as our only healthy running backs. I don't think that we really have a chance against Cincinnati. I think even with Tyrod Taylor as a starter or EJ, who I guess is going to start. I mean, Rex did say, I think he said earlier today that, you know, oh, don't rule out Tyrod. No, if he's got an MCL injury, um, I'm going to rule him out. Just looking at this game as a whole, it was ugly. It was a bad football game, and we squeaked out a win against a team that shouldn't in consideration for the playoffs, which tells me that we may be wrong in considering the Buffalo Bills a playoff team. I've got some notes from the game, just some one-offs. Our offense had 50 yards at halftime, and that's the lowest total this season. We ended that first quarter with nine yards. That's the lowest of any team so far this NFL season. That's embarrassing. Neither team, oh, both teams sucked on, first, on third down. They went 5 of 13. We went 4 of 12. So it's a wash. Both teams just sucked offensively that entire day. The Bills are the first team to 50 penalties. Okay, But we have over 100 yards more than the next closest team, which is Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a losing team. We have 100 more yards in penalties because a lot of our penalties are personal fouls. <laughs> that, this, this crap has to stop. Think about this. Out of the top 10 teams in penalty yardage, mind you, we're number one. We are the leader. Out of the top 10 teams, only three of those teams have winning records. The Jets and Denver are the other two. 
It's worth noting, good football teams don't commit this many penalties because you don't win a whole lot of you don't win a whole lot of games when you're giving away 100 yards over the course of a game. You just don't. In general with with Sunday's game against Tennessee, that's typically a game that I'm accustomed to losing when it's close like that. Usually we're Tennessee in that situation and we let a game like that slip. Yeah, I the game was awful. That's all I can say. The game was just terrible. It's two games in a row, and they need to... This is a game coming up on Sunday that they have to prove themselves in, going up against an undefeated Cincinnati team. As always, we're going to end our, we're going to end our weekend recap with the hero and zero of the week. This week's hero, Chris Hogan. So that is why I am better than everyone in the world. Kiss my and suck my everyone. My man 7-Eleven stepped up huge on that game-winning touchdown drive. He got his longest pass of his career and his first NFL-completed pass to put us at the two-yard line. Without him, I don't know if the comeback happens. I, I don't know if it's because he lulled the defense to sleep and they just forgot where he was or that he's an actually like, that he's actually a decent receiver. No idea. Because I feel like he wasn't really targeted much during the first half. But when it mattered, Tyrod found a way to find him. Nobody was targeted in the first half. <laughs> Without him, I don't know if the comeback happens. And for that reason and that reason alone... He's my MVP of the day. I mean, it was hard to come up with anybody who get, left me without a bad taste in my mouth, but he would be the guy. Speaking of bad taste in my mouth, leads us to our zero, which is Rex Ryan and the rest of the coaching staff. Boo this man! I had a couple Chardonnays on Sunday, you jerks. And I may have gone to Twitter and suggested that we put together a fundraiser for Rex Ryan to pay his tuition to the Center for Learning Disabilities. At Rockpile Report. (laughs) Because he just doesn't seem to pick up anything from one week to the next. Every week we're talking about the same problems with this team. Our offense isn't executing. They're play calling on offense for as great as I've heard or spoken about Roman and for as many promising things as I've seen. The last two games, you took away those skill players, and it's like he's got nothing. He, he can't come up with anything creative to do with the current cast of players he has working for him. That's a problem. Then you've got a coach and a defensive coordinator. Okay. Thurman took a defense that was in the top 10 in the last two seasons, and he has them playing a scheme that just doesn't play to their strengths. That's one of the most egregious things in coaching. You don't take talented multi-million dollar players, $100 million defensive linemen, and force them to do something that they're not proven to be successful at is our defense not like a carbon copy of mike Pettin's defense i mean is there a difference there is a difference what it is is they're asking our defensive line to occupy blockers so that our linebackers can make plays it's not they're asking the d linemen to do more blocking than actual pass rushing under schwartz our it was gap assignments gap assignments and gap penetrating from the defensive line position and that's what got us most of our sacks and that's what got us a lot of our pressures which led to more turnovers this defense is doing something completely different and it's not working so if you're walt if you're if you're dennis thurmond i almost called him walter thurmond (laughs) (laughs) if you're dennis thurmond you can't keep doing it you guys got to go back to the drawing board you got to figure it out I feel the way that about I feel like our de, about our defense, the way that people in Miami feel about their defense. They say, "Oh, you know, everyone's got to go back to the drawing board and come up with a new plan." Well, so do we because we've got way more talent than them, and I feel like we're not playing up to it. And that and that and that falls on the coaching staff. It falls on the coaches. Yeah, I I mean, I don't follow it as much as you do. I I've always thought that. The defense that we were going to have this year was going to be similar to what we had when we had Mike Patton. And that's well, and that's been one of the biggest my biggest disappointment so far into the season is that I don't know what Thurman's proven other than that he can ride Rex's coattails. But I just if it doesn't if it doesn't change and he can't get on the same page as our players and play to their strengths, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna keep shouting for Jim Schwartz. I'm going to keep shouting until it happens. And if I'm the only one, then so be it. 
No, I would love to have Jim Schwartz back. And if he's going to come back into the league, it's definitely going to be as a defensive coordinator. I don't see anybody bringing him in as a head coach. On a side note, I also want to say that the runner-up for the LVP of the week, whoever called for Denarius Moore and Boone Heron to be added to this roster, you almost made it. That'd be Doug Whaley. Two of the guys that you picked on this roster over Thigpen and you, from what I know, Bryce Brown still doesn't have a job. You could have gone out and gotten those guys. Instead, you picked up two guys who not only didn't produce anything positive for our week, they both fumbled. They both put the ball on the ground in their first game. If that's the big knock on Bryce Brown, at least Bryce Brown knows this offense some, somewhat. Go get him. Suck up your pride. Go back to him. Grovel a little bit and get him back on our roster because we need him. Well, you know who else turned us down this week was Matt Sims. I don't know if you saw that from uh, Vic Carucci, the Buffalo News, mm-hmm. and put a tweet out that Matt Sims declined a roster spot to stay on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad. Well, it's because he wants to be associated with a team that might win. The, that looks like they might actually run through the NFC. That's that's what that's about. He wants a ring. He doesn't want to come to Buffalo where it's cold. And you get a ring on the practice squad. Yeah, everyone everyone gets rings. All I'm saying is that whoever's associated with those two pickups should be loaded into and fired out of a cannon across the parking lot at One Bill's Drive, kind of like a clown at the circus. So on to another week of the NFL we go. Take a look back. I want to. Uh, I just want to take a look back at the weekend the rest of the AFCs had. Should be short and sweet because uh, two of the teams didn't play. They got done. Uh, they cleaned up overseas. And they came home starting off with the New York Jets. Now, statistically speaking, they're playing the best defense they've had since 2009. It's Rex's first season that they had the team. And if you remember, that's the year he took them to a conference championship. Let's just think about that. The Jets are playing the best defense they've played in years. And their offense, with Chan Gailey and Ryan Fitzpatrick for right now, people haven't seemed to figure him out yet. He hasn't hit that midseason slump yet. So on... That's coming up week six, seven, eight. That's when they they hit that wall. See you later. Well, whatever the case may be, I mean, we're all looking forward to it. I've got my fingers crossed hoping it happens because if it doesn't, we're in a lot of trouble. They're going to come home after the trip across the pond, and they're going to end up playing the Redskins, which is not – they're no pushovers. Coming into the season, I expected them to be awful. You may have just offended my wife who's a Native American. The Redskins' defense is not as bad as you would have expected, although now they're missing Chris Culliver. He might miss some time. Their record, they've been playing better football than their record would indicate. I mean, Atlanta struggled with them. You're talking about a team that's undefeated but has been putting up Madden scores on people. Went, went up against the Redskins and struggled for most of the game. In the fourth quarter, that game was still a crapshoot. They were winning at one point. <sighs> Their D's been surprising, but in a match of defenses, the Jets have been the better unit. And if you're talking about whose offense bends here, I think it's got to be Washington's. I expect the Jets to come away from that game with, an, with, with a victory. I would feel that way, too. The, uh, the Jets' defense is just too good, and the Redskins just suck that much <laughs> then you get the Dolphins coming off a deflating loss overseas and the firing of their coach the Dolphins go to Tennessee much like we did and they're going to try to squeak out a win this will be Dan Campbell's first crack at manning the ship you know trying to right this whole thing turn their season around I hope he has to wear teal I'm really hoping he's going to try to save their season but considering how poorly they've used their skill players to this point in the season, I don't know if there's any hope of changing that. I mean, if they get if they can get it right, you might be looking at a Cam Cameron one in fifteen season for Miami. That's what I hope for. My well, of course, we always hope for that. I mean, they're Miami. To hell with those guys. But you look at the skill positions the team has, and it's not like they're without talent. Yet they haven't scored enough to keep up with the fact that their defense can't stop anybody if they can get those two things turned around they might be able to uh they might be able to come away with a win or two here a lot of that's going to ride on Jarrell Casey and Derek Morgan and whether or not they're ready to go 
I mean, to me, this game's a coin flip. Either team could come out of here with a win. And then you get the Patriots. Another week, another impressive victory. I mean, these Tom Brady is on an F the NFL tour, and all it did was stop in Big D for a weekend so that everyone in the country could see it. It's They're just crushing everybody. I would put down this weekend, New England 100% drops 50 on the Colts. It's... If you're the if you're the New England Patriots, do you go into the game thinking, okay, let's not get caught up in the hype, let's play a smart football game and let's get out of here, or do you come out with the intention to embarrass them on national television? That's exactly my point. They're going to drop fifty. They're going to embarrass the Colts. Is is Luck even playing? I don't. I don't. I they say his status is up in the air. They're confident, but they're not positive he'll play. If Matt Hasselbeck starts, the game's lost already. With Even with Andrew Luck, I don't think this team has the horses to run with New England for four quarters. Their defense is going to get shredded. Their offense is going to struggle to put up points. I mean, right now, New England's playing like a team that wants to be 19-0. I haven't seen them play this type of football since the season they went 18-0. It's, it's incredible what they're doing down there. We'll see where everyone pans out. I mean, they're still the big dog in this division, and we got to hope that not just the division, the conference. I mean, I don't know anyone in football who can hold a candle to them. So considering that the New England Patriots are on pace to just run away with our division at this point, I mean, I don't know if... I don't think the Jets have the horses to keep up their production all season long to stay within one game of them. And I don't think the Bills do either. So that leads us to trying to fight for a wild card spot. So I've been looking over the I've been looking over the standings, taking a look at the AFC playoff outlook. You know, obviously, as of today, we all know it. The Bills are still a playoff team. April, I know all this, okay, but I do like hearing it. So go on. The Bills are still in the driver's seat for a sixth spot if the postseason was to start today. Looking at our competition and looking at the way this weekend kind of impacted the standings got a couple teams you know, that some teams on the rise some teams that are falling some teams with the arrows up on them some teams that you know looks like they're trending in the right direction we're going to start off with the pittsburgh steelers after a, a after a brutal loss at home in front of their home fans because josh scoby couldn't kick the broadside of a barn they bounced back with a road win where their defense actually held Phillip Rivers in check for most of the night. The score was close. It was a low-scoring game for most of the night. Vic made some solid passes. You can tell he's getting more acclimated with the offense, and that bodes well for him because they're going to spend the next few games still without Ben Roethlisberger, and they're going to have to go up against teams like Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Bengals. These are teams that aren't going to do them any favors. I mean, they're going to play decent defense at least. I don't know about offense. I know the Cardinals and the Bengals have been doing all right. So they're going to have to find a way to stay sharp. But right now, they're, t- they're tied with us in record. Because of the losses in the you know, AFC, they're still below us. But they're going to be a team to watch nipping at our heels. And then you've got the team we're about to play, Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you, you at home, a gutsy come-from-behind 17-point deficit, and you come back to win against one of the better defenses in football. And that's something we expect from quarterbacks like Rodgers, Brady, Luck, Roethlisberger. Not that redheaded stepchild. <laughs> to see Andy Dalton go out there and win a game against this team that's just stacked on defense with talent like that, it, it surprised the hell out of me. I saw the, st- I saw the score is 24-7 and said this game's over. It's over. There's no point in flipping back and forth to it. And to see where it ended was incredible. I mean, I think at 5-0, and and they've got a, a week slate of games in the next couple of weeks, they could very easily run away with the entire, much like the Patriots are doing in our division, they could run away with the NFC North before this is all over. Yeah, Baltimore is in the crapper. Pittsburgh's got Roethlisberger injured. This is the time for Cincinnati to take that division so they could lose the first playoff game that they're in. <laughs> Yeah, they haven't. <laughs> they're doing everything they can to shed that, you know, and stick to their the company line that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Time will tell. Time is going to tell on those guys whether they come back to earth because right now they're getting it done. I mean, they are getting it done in all phases of the game. When you take a step back and you look at the conference as a whole, 
there was a couple teams in the mix there, much like the Steelers and the Bengals and the Chargers, teams that you thought were going to be in the mix for that wild card spot. And it just has not panned out that way. You are one pathetic loser. And unfortunately, one of those pathetic losers is the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only did they take, you know, they took a hit to their season by dropping to one and four, which historically has not boded well for teams who hope to make the playoffs. But I think out of all the injuries that occurred this weekend, the most devastating one happened to them in losing Jamal Charles. He is, in my opinion, one of the most complete running backs in football today. He's got quicks. He's slippery. He can evade guys. He can make you miss. He runs well to the outside. He runs well between the tackles. He catches well out of the backfield. He also runs well on fourth and one from the 40 into the end zone. <laughs> Talking about last year. Oh, I know. I, it was right in front of me. That, that play is burned in my memory because they keep – and then they keep playing on the Time Warner cable commercials. Can we talk about that? Why it is every Time Warner and other – you know, anytime any cable service is talking about the Bills or, or like showing the a sports thing, plays the it's another team scoring on us. Same thing with the Burger King commercial. The Burger King guy. They have a video of him running in a touchdown on us. It's crap. It's absolute crap. But in any event, the Chiefs took a huge blow. They lost arguably the most talented player on their team. At least, most definitely the most talented player on their offense. They're 1-4. and four, And they have a rough slate of games coming up. It's not. I, I don't see this getting any easier for them. We're in there towards the end. I'm glad we're going to be playing them with that when they don't have Jamal Charles. Well, they won't have him for the rest of the season. He's done. I mean, every team, teams are going to key on their wide receivers now and make one of these unproven running backs. You can tell me all, all you want about Niles Davis and about this Chan Derrick, Chadrick, Why would Cheddar you? Bob. I don't know what your <laughs> name is, but whatever. He, I don't know who. Why would teams key in on their wide receivers if they cannot score a touchdown? Everything will now go through Travis Kelsey. Come on. No, it's awful. Yeah, and their wide receivers don't score. So now what are they going to do to manufacture offense? I don't see this going well for them. I, I just have a feeling that they're one of those teams that you know, they're, they're going to be out of it shortly. The other, the other loser out of all this is the Houston Texans. We're no stranger to quarterback controversy. We're the Buffalo Bills. I know what their fans must be going through right now. The Thursday night game was infuriating to watch because you've got DeAndre Hopkins, who's running around through the Colts secondary like no one knows he's wearing the other team's jersey. He's just open. He's open all day. And, that, and yet on defense, Houston was just as bad. Letting letting free receivers just running through their secondary. They're lucky that Hasselbeck wasn't sharper and didn't take more chances because if he drove the ball downfield more often, they would have had they they probably would have had two or three more scores throughout the course of that game because there was guys running, beating their man deep in one on one coverage for most of the game. I didn't get to watch that Thursday night game because I was downtown for the Sabers home opener, which was way better than watching Thursday Night Football. Yeah, that awesome goal, 30 seconds in, really set the tone, huh? So did Eichel's goal in the second, <laughs> or in the third period, and then Kane's wraparound that got called back on the offsides, coach's challenge. I flip back and forth, but football's my game. I watched that game, and what I took my takeaway from it, the thing that was most cemented in my mind, is that J.J. Watt might be a freak athlete. He might be the best defensive lineman in the league. Hands down, from a physical standpoint, from what he can do and all the different roles he can play. But he can't rush the passer and cover every wide receiver on the other team. (laughs) He can't do that. And unfortunately, teams are double and triple teaming him, and nobody else on that line is doing anything to help him. Not even Vince Wilfork? Not even Vince Wilfork. Vince, Vince Wilfork has been almost a non-factor for them. He's done? Career over? I don't know if his career is over, but he's just not. He's not. And I think this is another instance where the Patriots knew when to move on from a guy. They got what they could out of him. They sensed the end was coming. They let him walk. You know? And now Clowney's hurt again. <laughs> I mean, stop me if you've heard this before, but Jadavian Clowney's injured and might miss some time. That draft pick is looking more and more like one of the more egregious busts in recent history. 
who who would they have taken instead of Clowney? Johnny Manziel? Anyone at this point would have been better. Think about it. You wasted the number one overall pick in the draft on a guy who's only played a handful of games for your team. And when he has, he's been far from dominant. He, he, he's not, he doesn't bring a whole lot to the game. And I'm, I'm assuming a lot of it's because he hasn't played. But at the same time, if you're never healthy and you can't stay on the field, then, why, then what's the point of having you there? I mean, they probably could have taken Khalil Mack. They could have taken Khalil Mack, who's, again, he's having a hot season in Oakland. There, how about this? The first three defensive players off the board in that draft, Jadavion Clowney won to Houston, number five, Khalil Mack to Oakland, and number eight, Justin Gilbert to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oakland's laughing. Oakland has to find – their GM should find that hysterical. All I know is that for the Houston Texans, they've got no clarity at quarterback, and their season's unraveling. It's happening. It's coming apart every game that they lose because they have to swap their quarterback at halftime. I honestly think that they're throwing in – the season so that in the draft bill o'brien can go get christian hackenberg from penn state it's a possibility i mean this next slate of games for them is going to be the it's going to be the tell of their season because they've got jacksonville miami and tennessee three teams that are all struggling three teams with losing records three teams that they need to jump all over if they can't get wins and they can't do it quickly their season is going to be I mean, the postseason is going to be a stretch for them at that point. I want you're one and four. You're not getting anywhere. You're not even in the on the hunt or in the hunt graphic on CBS at this point with one and four. They're going to have a top pick in the draft. You know, we take a look around. We're a we're in the hunt. Well, technically, we're in the playoffs, but I don't feel <laughs> I'm not very confident in our footing here. I mean, our three and two records is shaky three and two, and I'm a Bills fan. I'm always waiting for the collapse. We're looking ahead now to the Cincinnati Bengals. Buckle up, everybody. We're about to take this thing from automatic to manual. <laughs> We're taking it back. It's EJ's first start of the season. Something that I, a part of me wanted to say that. You know, when Tyrod, I saw him running around, and you see him during early on in the season. You think, you know what? He seems like he's making smart plays. He's getting down. He's avoiding contact. And then as it went on, that's always your worry with a quarterback like that, that you're going to have to put in your backup. And now we're looking at E.J. Manuel getting his first start of the season. I'm I'm actually excited to see E.J. start for the Bills because – of Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. Let me ask you one question. Did you smoke anything before you got here? No, I did not. <laughs> I find that I hard to believe. I don't know where to find that. No, because think about Nate Hackett, you know, and Doug Marone and their horrible play calling and keeping EJ, making EJ something that he wasn't. And I feel that EJ is a poor man's Tyrod. He can run, but he's not as fast as Tyrod. He can accurately throw it over 30 yards. But if it's under 30 yards, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I think Roman might have some rollout plays in line for EJ. Some rollout plays? That's going to that's gonna save us, Chris. The rollout plays. Listen. I'm a big believer in the fact that numbers don't lie. You are what your numbers say you are. For the most part in sports, yes, there are some guys who bring some intangibles to your team, like a Fred Jackson who, you know, maybe he's a guy who's the heart of your offense. There are those types of players, but EJ's not. And so all I've got to go off of are the numbers. You want to hear them? EJ's 6-8 and eight as a starter. Over that time span, I crunched my own numbers last night. You want to talk about his performance against top 15 defenses during his starts from 2013 to 2014. Playing any team in the top half of the league, he's got a completion percentage of 47.7% and an 80.8 passer rating. 
Consider this, though. That 80.8 is skewed by the fact that he posted a ridiculous 121.9 in that game where he threw those two huge touchdowns against the Jets, and the Jets basically just laid down for us here. Do you remember that? Outside of that, he has performed below average against decent defenses. If you if you have a moderately talented defense, he doesn't put up any sort of statistics that would make you feel comfortable with him coming in and stepping, you know, stepping in and playing a game that matters, that matters to your season. I feel that coaching matters, and I think Greg Roman is one of the best offensive coaches in the game today. And if EJ cannot perform under Greg Roman's offense, then he is done. And he better bring his A game because if he wants to be on another NFL team, even as a backup, these games that he's going to start, if he's starting Sunday and next week across the pond against Jacksonville, he's got to bring his A game to show it to other teams that he's worth a spot on someone's 53-man roster. I just don't see it, man. (laughs) I just don't see it. Think about this. The Bengals are the 11th best defense in the league right now. They're the 11th best. Our quarterback, yeah, you can tell me about how he's an unknown commodity, but if we're lacking skill players, we're already hindered by our lack of skill players. You've got a quarterback who's not very accurate. That's been the one thing about Tyrod that I've enjoyed this entire season is that he's accurate when he makes pass. I mean, he's 70, he's 70%. That's higher than any of our quarterbacks have finished the season with in the last three years. EJ's part of that rotation that just proves to be a below-average quarterback when it comes to accuracy. He's always had those problems. If he hasn't fixed them now, he's never going to. So this game's going to be a huge test of that, and I just... I think Roman's going to have his hands full trying to implement a game plan that's going to keep him clean and let him get the ball out fast. I mean, I still, th- I still think Cincinnati's going to win the game, but I would like to see EJ perform well. Uh, we've got so many injuries. I mean, I just touched on that. Carlos hasn't been cleared. Carlos Williams has yet to be cleared from the concussion protocol. Watkins is going to be a game-time decision. Now Aaron Williams is on the IR until week 14. The Bengals are coming into this game fairly healthy. I mean, Whitworth was the only guy of any significance on their injury report last week, and he played. So that tells me that we're at a sizable disadvantage when it comes to that. Now, what about Bakari Rambo? Is he still injured? Is he is he going to be playing for Aaron Williams, or are we going to have Duke Williams in? No, Bakari Rambo is going to be running around town ter- terrorizing the local police force. Bakari Rambo is a below-average safety in coverage. He's okay in the box. If he's going to be a starter, then can we please get uh, can we please get Ron Darby like extra padding, maybe a flak jacket? I don't know because I just ha- I just keep seeing this Miami game over and over and over again in my head. <laughs> I, I he's going to kill Ron Darby out there this weekend. Is he going to start for Aaron Williams, or is it going to be Duke Williams? Who do we have? We have Corey Graham and Duke Williams with Bakari Rambo rotating in. But with as much as they like to spread the field, there's no doubt that they're all going to see the, they're all going to see the field, all of them. I'm hoping that we get to see a start at safety from Duke Williams because this is one of the few chances he's going to have to impress Mia Khalifa. <laughs> I mean, our past defense as a whole, this is the biggest test of the season that we face outside of the Patriots. Think about this. Tom Brady right now in release time for quarterbacks is leading the league with 2.1 seconds. You know who's right behind him? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, 2.7 seconds. That has been our Achilles heel. The teams that have been done well against us on offense ran plays out of the shotgun, got the ball out quick, and were accurate in the intermediate areas of the field. They are going to look, think about it. They've got A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanyu, and Tyler Eifert. You can't cover them all. And Andy Dalton's proven to be very accurate this season, coming out of the gate and finding his guys and getting the ball to them. I mean, think about this. He leads the league in plays of over 20 yards. He's got 25 of them. 
Our pass defense is going to be under siege this weekend. And to know that we're going into it without Aaron Williams, I just don't think that bodes well for any of us. None of these guys can afford stupid penalties if they want to keep this one in reach for more than four quarters. Tyler Eifert. He's going to be matched up with our linebackers. How do you – Tyler Eifert's had a great season. How do you see that playing out as far as getting coverage on Eifert to shut him down? Well, on every play, you're going to have to roll coverage at A.J. Green. So that means you can't really – if they decide to put – if I'm an offensive coordinator, if I'm Hugh Jackson, I'm going to set up multiple plays during the course of the game where I have A.J. Green on one side – and I'm going to motion around Eifert to his side. They're already going to have safety help over the top to deal with the fact that A.J. Green, just with his freakish athleticism, his size, his speed, that's the only way you can contend with that. I mean, Stephon Gilmore, he's, a, he's not a tiny cornerback, so he could probably hold his own for a while, but he's going to need help over the top. They're going to, I have a bad feeling that they're going to abuse us in the seams with Tyler Eifert. I see a big game coming from him. If our defense can't just find a way to – if our linebackers can't find a way to stick with him, they're going to be on an island against this guy in most occasions. I mean, at that point, do you go to the nickel and do you maybe put – do you maybe put Bakari Rambo deep on whatever side A.J. Green is not because <laughs> he's a liability in pass coverage anyway and put a guy like Duke Williams down in the box – and or have Roby. him covering Eifert. Roby? Roby's too small to cover a tight end like that. I just don't see that ending well. They tried it last season, game one, against Martellus Bennett, and that ended disastrously. And I know. Abandoned. We won the game. But because at halftime, they abandoned that strategy and put Duke Williams on him. I'll never forget it. As soon as they stopped trying to have pre- rookie Preston Brown and Nikel Roby cover Martellus Bennett and they put Duke Williams on him, it removed him from the game. He stopped catching passes. He stopped getting touchdowns. They're going to have to find a way to keep all of these skill players from getting the ball on offense and hurting us. And then you talk about, I mean, their run game has been struggling, but our D-line without all of that backup because of the number of skill players Cincinnati's going to put on the, t- on the field, our D-line has to own the line. That's it. They have got to find a way to maintain ownership of the line of scrimmage because that is where they're going to kill us. We're already spread thin in coverage. If we let them establish a ground game, this thing is going to be over, and it's going to be over quick. From a defensive standpoint from Cincinnati, what I see is a lot of if, – if Sammy can't play, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm going to dial up a lot of blitzes, and I'm going to roll all my coverage towards Harvin and Clay. That's it. I think Clay versus the Bengals linebackers could be one of our few mismatches that we could try to exploit – but if there's no help on the outside, if people on the outside can't prove that they can get consistently open, because I've seen this, the Giants did it, the Titans did it this weekend. Our wide receivers have to find a way and our quarterbacks have to find a way to get guys the ball in one-on-one coverage, because that's what teams are going to do. They're going to single our receivers up and they're going to dare us to beat them. And they're going to commit extra guys to guys like Harvin and Clay. They're going to single the other guys up and dare us to beat them and if we can't we're going to be in a lot of trouble because that's going to add up either extra coverage players it's going to add up extra blitzers ej Manuel is going to need time in the pocket and he's going to have to try to stay clean and if we can't get anything established early on offense it's going to hurt us and compound throughout the course of that game that's that 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 is my i mean i see tandem safety and you know coverage down inside the box to try to take clay away i see that if i'm a d coordinator that's the first thing i would do it's going to be something to see this Sunday. But luckily, I'm going to have a special guest because not only am I going to be sitting in the rock pile. I'll be in the rock pile. <laughs> I'm going to have my good buddy Chris Kruger here sitting next to me. It's going to be beer, football, I'm profanity, make, I'm and making tears, chicken wing dip for the tailgate. <laughs> a little bit of wing dip. Because oh, mine's the best. In case anyone out there, uh, in case anyone out there has any questions or wants to know anything about wing dip, Directed to Chris, he makes one of the best wing dips I've ever had. And I'm not a small fella. I've eaten, I've eaten a lot of wing dip in my day. His is the best I've ever had. What do you predict the final score is going to be this week, Chris? 31-17 to 17 Cincinnati. 31-17, huh? Yep, end of story, 31-17. <sighs> I just hope, since I'm coming to the game... 
Last time I went to a football game last year, the Cleveland game, I specifically bought tickets off of StubHub to sit behind you, and you left at <laughs> halftime. I don't know what you're talking about. This is heresy. That's all lies. And You left at halftime and missed the Jerry Hughes strip fumble return for a touchdown. Yeah, you can't say there's nothing you can say. How do you know they didn't? How do you know they didn't win because I left? No, that's not. That's never been (laughs) true ever for anyone. It's the worst argument you could make. I just, I just hope that you're there the whole game. When, when we're (laughs) while we're sitting in the Rock Pile this weekend, I'm going to be reminding you that I picked the Bills to win this game. I've been extremely negative this entire day, but I expect us to win. I think we're going to surprise them. I think that we're going to squeak out. A, I think our defense is going to do what Seattle couldn't. I think what our defense is going to do, because Seattle held them to seven points for the first most of the first half. I think that if we can keep this game under 23 points, we have a shot. I'm trusting that our coaching staff doesn't want to end up on my LVP list again, and they're going to find a way to engineer offense with the cast of skill players that they have, regardless of who's playing. I think we're going to squeak out in another ugly win and scrape by to go to 4-2. and two. That's my call. For the rest of you watching at home, you're going to be getting our, my man, Spiro Didis. Oh, man, that guy's voice. I love it. I got a man crush on him. It's fantastic. He's going to be calling the game with Solomon Wilcox on Channel 4. You have, 1 p.m. You have a man crush on Spiro Didis just because his name is Spiro Didis. What, is, what an awesome name. And have you heard his voice? It's We've heard it. I think two or three of the games that have been on CBS, we've gotten Spiro Didis. He's like our personal broadcaster for the Bills. His voice, it's its incredible. So that's about all the time we have for this evening. If anybody out there has an opinion, I'm dying to hear it. You know, we've been trying to get fan feedback for some time now. If you guys have, you know, we're going to open up a mailbag as soon as we generate a little. We are sick of our mother's giving us their opinions since they're our only listeners. Yeah, if I gotta hear if I gotta <laughs> doing a starting out a podcast, the only people that we get to listen are our mothers. And they think we're awesome at it and we should get paid for it. But that's what mothers are supposed to do. All I know is that I want the opinion of our, you know, I want the opinion of our listeners. I want the opinion of other people. We're gonna open this up. We're gonna start doing a mailbag. If you have something that you know you Something you heard me say, you think I'm a jerk, you think I'm an idiot, tell me about it. I want to hear it. You can get a hold of us at Twitter, at Rockpile Report. You can go to our, send us an email, rockpilereport716 at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook at The Rockpile Report. Let me know what you, you know, let me know what you think, and we'll talk about it on air. Until next time, guys, I'm Drew Gear, and that's Chris Kruger, and this has been The Rockpile Report.